Hello, and welcome back to the DJO Nightly News Podcast, produced by the O'Connell Stock Club, O'Connell's premier extracurricular activity. Today we have a great lineup for you, uh, featuring myself, the host, Diego Garcia, our producer, Brooke Tran, and our special guest today, Mr. Bethauser. So, let's see what we're going to talk about today. Lots of important things happening in the news, and we're going to begin by talking about yesterday's Wisconsin primary. So, obviously, we had uh, Bernie Sanders, who won, and uh, Ted Cruz, who won as well. Any first reactions to this news? I guess it was no surprise that Bernie Sanders would win in Wisconsin. Uh, Many of the polls had showed that he would win that state, Um, and he appeared to win um, by quite a comfortable margin, along with uh, Ted Cruz. So I think it was really no surprise that either of them would win that state. It was an open primary, meaning that Democrats could cross over. Mm-hmm. and vote in the primary, so it wasn't restricted just to Republicans. But going forward, I think it's going to be a problem for some of the states for the candidates to win because they will be closed primaries. Mm, absolutely. So a lot of people were saying earlier on before the Wisconsin primary was that if Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were to win the Wisconsin primary, they would more or less secure the nomination, that it would give them a path and enough momentum to reach 1237 and the 2000, however many the Democrats need. But now that two of the underdogs uh, ended up winning, there might be a more contested uh, convention situation, at least on the Republican side. Hillary is still more secure. Do you, Brooke, think that we're going to go to a contested convention? And we've asked this last time, asked it plenty of times, but, I mean, the closer we get to the actual convention, the more likely it seems, at least for me. What do you think? I definitely do think that is a possibility. I think that um, Tuesday's primary was an upset for both frontrunners, and especially on the Republican side. And I think that is definitely going to boost the odds of a contested national convention in July. Now, uh, a question. Do we know, was a Wisconsin a winner-takes-all? primary? No. No, it was not? It was not. It was not. No, the candidates were uh, awarded delegates based upon their performance statewide, but then also in each of the congressional districts as well. Mm, Okay. So, I mean, I would think because uh, with a 54% for Sanders, 46% for Clinton, it might come out to be very similar for them. Um, But on the Republican side, it was quite a whopping the Cruz had. 52%, a majority in a three-person race. That's incredible. It's very impressive. Uh, with Donald Trump at 32% and John Kasich at 14 I did hear on the news this morning that it sounded like Donald Trump won one of the congressional districts, one of the mm-hmm. congressional districts that's outside of the Milwaukee-Madison area, that he won that. So he, it sounds like he will probably pick up three delegates. Three delegates. Anything helps, I imagine, for him at this point in the race. Um, But he no longer has the shocking lead that we'd seen earlier. So, something else that that we saw in the news just this week was the Panama Papers scandal uh, involving uh, offshore accounts and hiding money. We've seen already the repercussions of this uh, with the Prime Minister of Iceland stepping down. Um, Certainly, this had quite a far-reaching effect, and we could definitely see it go even further in the future. Um, things like these do end up toppling uh, establishment governments. Um, I mean, we already see that there's a lot of instability in the Brazilian government, so if we see any more 
reach into the Brazilian government with the Panama Papers, we could ultimately see the fall of the president of Brazil, who's already being impeached, I think, right now. So that's going to be exciting to watch in the near future. Mr. Bethauser, do you have something to add? So when we look at kind of the money laundering aspect of it and money being held in different countries, a lot of the wealth in many of uh, popular financial centers are actually held by those who are non-residents. Okay, so like in Switzerland, $2.7 trillion comes from offshore, comes from, from wow. non-citizens. Uh, Caribbean and the peninsula, $1.3 trillion. Singapore, $1.1 trillion. So huge amounts that are coming from those, many from those that live off offshore. So m much of the wealth in those countries and cities are held by those who are non-residents. Mm -hmm. I would be interested to see what this, what this statistic looks like with maybe New York or um, places like Chicago or Washington. That These are banking centers, but we just don't associate them with the dirty banking that's so commonly when you hear about Switzerland or the Cayman Islands. Yeah, you think that it's going to be some shady things going on, but I imagine that a lot of offshore money is in New York and places like that. So, our next topic is going to be about the whole idea of activist investment groups. So, the main article that we've been reading recently is about how this one firm, uh, Starboard Value LP, they've been, it, their idea behind this company, uh, this investment firm, is they go to a company and they buy a, a good amount of the shares and they get in contact with other shareholders and they kind of push the idea of new reforms that they believe will be cost-saving measures. And they've done this with multiple companies already. And why they're in the news, why they're kind of famous now, is because they've already been able to force out the directing boards of multiple companies, namely uh, Darden Restaurants. And the article that we read is uh, it's kind of a roundup of how the successes, the rises and falls that the um, Starboard Value LP has had at Darden Groups. Darden Groups is a company, uh, not a company, a restaurant chain. And they hold, they own Olive Garden and uh, Longhorn Steakhouse. And what other restaurant did you say, Mr. Bedhauser? Uh, a few other restaurants. Applebee's. Fast casual restaurants like those. So um, this article kind of discusses the failures that they've had and the successes. They, what they managed to do was to get, um, to force out the CEO of the company. Isn't that kind of remarkable that an investment company was able to force out a CEO? Mr. Bedhauser. So some of the changes that Starboard made when they came into Olive Garden, including looking at some of the processes within the Olive Garden store restaurants. So, for example, they looked at the breadsticks. The breadsticks. And you would think breadsticks. Have you ever had those breadsticks? I have. They're really good. Brooke, have you had those breadsticks? I have. They're fine. Opinions on them? Okay, fine. And I think that's a big part of what they're changing. You just said they're fine. Have you, do you have any complaints about the breadsticks in particular? Too dry, not enough going on. They get very hard when they cool down. Um, like it was mentioned in the article, that was definitely a huge issue. Huge. Uh, huge. Huge. Yes, it's very important that breadsticks not be hard, especially at a fast casual restaurant where things are supposed to be fast. You yeah. don't have to eat fast, though. And Starboard argued that the Olive Garden restaurants could save four to five million dollars if they would just follow their own policies of of not serving so many breadsticks at yes, once. Yes, the, the so number useful. of breadsticks they serve is excessive. 
people don't need to eat five breadsticks each. It's just too much. Yeah. And I think that that's something else that happens is that if you get like 15 free breadsticks, you're kind of nibbling at them all the time. You're drinking your soda at the same time. And before you know it, you're already full. You didn't get any dessert. So they're cutting up their profits in another way. And you just can't have that at a place like this. Yeah. What else they're doing is that <laughs> they have been um, telling, they've been making their waste up. Yes, yeah, so Mr. Bed has to say to follow their own rules regarding the breadsticks. So not serve so many and to serve them at a higher quality so that they don't get cold all the time, for instance. And another thing I read today was about how they were going to be adding tablets at each of the tables, tablets. and it would save seven minutes of time that someone would be sitting at a table. So you think seven minutes, if someone is at a table, seven minutes less from a business perspective, it means they can turn over that table faster. Absolutely. They have another, Which is uh, right. another group of people places. sit down. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, do you yourself enjoy using these tablets? When at I do enjoy using them. I, I think it's kind of a different way to be able to check out when you like. So you're able to get the bill. You can pay directly from the tablet. You don't have to wait for the waiter or waitress to come by. I disagree. I think that it diminishes the quality of your restaurant experience. I've noticed on a lot of tablets they have games that you can pay to play. I just think that ruins the experience of eating out at a restaurant with people you're supposed to be talking with at the table. As for the games, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Like I don't, I never, I'm not someone who's ever who is ever going to uh, pay for games while eating. That's not going to happen. But I can definitely get behind the idea of being able to pay from or order from the little screen. I just, I, I've gone to a few restaurants like this, and I just, my parents and I, we end up confused. So yeah. we're just, it's not, it doesn't make sense for us. Also, but if I were somebody who's like growing up with this type of technology, absolutely, like in 10 years, I, this would definitely be something yeah. that I think should be everywhere. I think it'll be good. Uh, I just need to learn how to do it first. What do you think the implications are for waiters? I, I feel like they must be scared of these type of things, definitely. that it's going to take their jobs because really the role of the waiter is bringing the food out that, and, and taking the order and all that. But the only part that can't really be replaced by the little screen is bringing yeah. the food out. So. But they are the waiter, which is ultimately the face of the restaurant. That's true. The, the greeter. If they receive poor exactly. service. This is reducing human interaction that we're having. It's cost effective. Well, I remember reading somewhere that uh, San Francisco, when they raised a minimum wage too high in San Francisco, that they uh, replaced uh, all the wait staff in the McDonald's with the little screens, the digital ordering. And when I was in Switzerland last year, I went to a McDonald's also over there, and um, they also had these things, the, the digital ordering, which confused me to no end because it was in French. But still, it, I mean, it, it makes things more difficult for people like me who are not entirely used to the technology right now, but I'm sure it's gonna be useful in the future. Moving on to our next subject, the pots. What about the pots there? With the salt in the water, is a warranty issue? So there was an issue with the warranty that if the restaurants added in salt to the boiling water that that could be something that would that would void the warranties on their pots. So when you think about just adding salt and the implications of that, there there's actually a huge one. You wouldn't normally think that something like that could make these expensive pots. It could it could void the warranty on them, which could ultimately cost Olive Garden a lot of money if they have to keep replacing the pots all the time. And this is considered a failure by our handy little starboard value LP. Uh, they were unable to convince the company to uh, 
add salt to the pasta water. So we've seen the successes and failures of this group. Uh, moving on in the future, they're trying to uh, depose Marissa Meyer, Marissa Mayer of Yahoo Corporation. So we look forward to seeing how that will resolve itself in the future. All right, so this has been another fascinating episode. And as you can see, we're able to focus more on a single issue. And we look forward to being able to talk about more pressing stock-related issues, other current events, and all sorts of things in the future. So come back next week, and we will have another great episode for you. Thank you so very much.